Bitcoin accumulation country. It's Coin Icarus, and this is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are in season three, and this is episode 28. Yeah, I like to mix it up every once in a while, right? So on Twitter, I am Coin Icarus, but my real name is Phil. Anyways, uh, I've got a really great episode lined up today. I sat down with Lee Shin from Cobavault. And he uh, talks to us about his uh, his rabbit hole story, but uh, he also explains to us a lot about the Cobavault hardware wallet, um, which uh, I think is a is a really nice offering. And I look forward to see you know some what other products is uh, is coming out uh, from from Kobo. Anyways, before we get into the Cobavault, we are first going to take a look at dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not, and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls... In, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've, we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase. And you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin-only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm going to have the, uh, the link to their website in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my discussion with Lee Shin from Cobalt. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Phil, or on Twitter, Coin Icarus. And joining me today is a gentleman that uh, is putting together a really, I, I think, a really nice hardware wallet. And uh, we started chatting on, uh, I think it was Telegram. And um, anyways, he sent me out one of these uh, hardware wallets to, uh, to test out. I really liked the UX. Uh, I, I really liked the idea. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I had to ask him to come on to the, uh, the Fun With Bitcoin podcast and, you know, give his, uh, his rabbit hole story and uh, talk about the wallet. And I am talking about the Koba Vault and I am talking about Lee Shin. Lee Shin, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you for having me, Theo. Thank you so much. Cool. So look, let's uh, we're going to dive right into it. Um, I, I definitely want to know, yeah. like, so um, is it OK? Are you allowed to say your location where you are? Yeah, I'm in Shanghai. I'm in Shanghai now. It's very cool. It's 8 a.m. here. Nice. OK, so I, I just uh, I've never actually I've never spoken to anybody uh, from Shanghai. So this is my <laughs> first time. Um, so I definitely want to cool. know your rabbit hole story. I mean, you know why, yeah. you know, how and why did you get into Bitcoin? Okay, uh, actually, uh, the first time I knew Bitcoin was back in 2009, uh, around Christmas, because that, that was my, I was in my college and that was my job hunting season. So like at that time I spent like my whole day on the internet surfing for jobs and also surfing for new stuff to look at. And uh, at that time I was using Google Reader. You must know that Google Reader. Yeah, and uh, around the, 
uh, the Christmas of 2009, my Google Reader was flooded by Bitcoin topics. So that's the first time I knew Bitcoin. Uh, I dive into a little bit. I, I, I was not in the rabbit hole at that time, but I dive into a little bit. Uh, and I thought that it's a really, really cool idea, but I'm not sure that the, the consensus can be reached. Uh, that was the main concern for me at that time. Uh, so I didn't do anything for that. I just come across Bitcoin at that time. Uh, and then it, the time goes to 2013. Uh, one of my friends reminded me again for the Bitcoin and I surpri surprisingly found that the consensus seems to be reached and a lot of people are buying Bitcoin, this kind of stuff. And we have Mongox. And that was my first time to buy my first Bitcoin on Mongox at that time. Oh, wow. So, 2013. And, uh, but my career didn't encounter with Bitcoin uh, after that. Uh, I was working in a hardware company. We were making drones and I was the second employee there. Uh, so, and we do global marketing. So we make the drone and we, we mainly do sales in Western countries. Uh, and also uh, for that company, we successfully get into Apple store. So, which is a big success, big success for the company. Uh, and also after the company was founded by, was invested by uh, Snapchat, I left the company and, and uh, came back to Shanghai. Uh, and at the same time, um, uh, one of the founders of F2 pool, which is the biggest um, Bitcoin mining pool currently in the world, one of the founders of F2 pool, his name is Discussfish. And another guy is a early employee of Facebook. So these two guys founded a Kobo in China. So they are, yeah, founded so, a Kobo in China. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. What What was it that they founded? Uh, uh, I misunderstood. Discuss Fish is one of the co-founders of F2 Pool. Oh, F2 which Pool. Is okay. The, yeah, F2 Pool, which sorry. is uh, the biggest um, Bitcoin mining pool currently in the world. And uh, the other guy was a early employee of uh, Facebook. So these two guys founded uh, the company Kobo here in China. So currently Kobo is like a full stack wallet company. Uh, they do software wallet, which is custodial wallet, mainly for Asia people and also enterprise wallet, just like BitGo. And also they incubated me in Shanghai to do the hardware wallet product line. So the hardware is under me. So I'm working on the hardware with them. Uh, and uh, because at that time I have the experience of Bitcoin, I have experience of hardware design, hardware production, and also I have the experience of global marketing for a hardware. So that's why we came together and we set up a subordinate company here in Shanghai to make the hardware wallet. And uh, yeah, that's mainly my journey of getting to Bitcoin and getting to hardware wallet. Okay, that's that's really cool. So I, I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, I mean th those are. Um, I, I've I've worked with some people from Facebook, and uh, it's definitely. I, I think they have a really interesting culture as a company. Um, seriously, yes, yes. I, I know yes. that you know people make fun of the uh, you know the product and stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. Facebook's for grandparents and whatnot. But I can say that uh, they. Um, I I found them to be a really uh, a really interesting company because I, I do indirectly work with them. I want to go back to something that you said though about mm -hmm. reach, reaching consensus. So this is interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so in 2009, you looked at it. 
It's like yes. there, it's like there wasn't maybe enough information to decide that there was consensus. But then in 2013, you're like, okay, enough people yeah. have like reached that point. Yes. Yes. So that that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I like because that. at that time you you can you can see, uh, in 2009, uh, because a lot of people are also talking about the risk of uh Bitcoin. All of them are saying that the 51% attack is really is going to happen if this thing uh, becomes a bigger thing. So I think that's a huge risk at that time for this kind of new new baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in 2013, it's very clear that you can buy Bitcoin on Mt. Gox, and there's a price there. There's <laughs> a like consensus. The price is consensus when it reached a aligned price i see oh it's a consensus and every people can see that price and buy with that price and sell with that price i see that is a consensus i love it i uh, i, I yeah. do i think that that's very interesting i've never um i mean obviously everybody <laughs> talks about consensus in bitcoin but i i just fi find that the way that you explained it uh through your your journey is uh, is something interesting i, I didn't even uh yeah. because because i came much later i didn't think of that so um, okay, so you're so you work for Kobo, and and they and and they got you to do the uh, the hardware wallet. So I mean, um, let's uh, I guess let's dive right into it, right? The uh, the Kobo okay. vault, right? So okay. Um, okay, okay. So did did you get to choose? Because okay, so right now there's like other types of hardware wallets, like Trezor, where you have a you know you yes yes you know where you go to a a website or something like that, like. I guess why did you choose the route of of air gapped versus not um, air gapped? I mean, is it really just okay. for security or? Okay, uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, for, mm, for from generally speaking, uh, make a hardware wallet is really costly. It's it's not like software, because for hardware you need to invest a lot. Uh, I mean, for design of it and to make demos of it, make sampling for the product and also manufacturing. So when we design, when we starting the ideation or a maybe the ideation phase for a product, we were very cautious. So it's not like software because software, you, you can iterate very fast. You can adding and removing features very fast. But for hardware, it's totally different. So uh, maybe I can start uh, the maybe I can start a story back from when we designed the first generation, which cool. is Cobalt Vault Ultimate. Yeah, uh, because I just shared that uh, one of the founders of Cobalt uh, is also the one of the co-founder of the F2 pool. So we were very well connected in China with the miners here in China. So at that time, I interviewed a lot of miners and I asked them, most of them are using Trezor and Ledger. Uh, at that time, they, they don't know too much about code card, but they use Trezor and Ledger. They are quite famous here in China. So I interviewed them. I asked them questions. What do you feel about the product? When do you feel it's security? When do you feel it's not security? Actually, I received like 95% of the people. They told me that when I don't use the when I don't use Trezor or Ledger, I feel really secure because it's totally offline. But when I plug the ledger or the treasure into my laptop, that's the most uh, like like uh, frightening part for me because I always worry my laptop is uh, 
has some malicious code or has some malicious software there? And what if it's like injected something into my ledger and a treasure? So they feel really unsafe at the time when they plug the product into, into their laptop. So at that time, I came up with the idea that we should make a product more air-gapped. Here, more air-gapped means that one is communicating with your companion app, which is just like Ledger Live. When you're making it communicating with the companion app, you should make it uh, not like the USB or Bluetooth or this kind of thing, or even Wi-Fi, don't do this. So we come up with the first idea of using it air-gapped with the QR code. So that's the first big decision for the first generation of Cobalt. Vault. Um, and our second generation also also took the legacy of this. Uh, the second the, the second decision, the second big decision we made is for the secure element. So I think I, I won't dive into that too much because you guys have seen that if a hardware wallet has no secure element, it's very not very easy, but it's possible to extract the uh, extract the private keys from the mm -hmm. product. So secure element is the second thing. Uh, the third thing, really important, and maybe you guys may don't understand, is that we make the product waterproof and drop resistant, and also it's full aluminum body and comes with an aluminum protective case. Why we did this is that uh, the miners here in China, they all work in the most isolated places in China for the cheapest electricity. So uh, they work in those environments so that there are a lot of rains or they need to, it, it's very rough environment. So they need these kind of features to protect their hardware wallet. They always got their uh, ledger or treasure getting into water or uh, get, wet, get into wet environment to get unfunctional so that we make the product waterproof and drop resistant. That's the third big decision. And also we collect some uh, some insights from the miners that uh, in the early days when they, I asked them a very interesting question, which is uh, when when you don't have treasure and ledger, how do you protect your, how do you protect your Bitcoin? They gave me a really interesting story is that most of them used a specific modular mobile phone made by LG. So oh, yeah. Why, yeah, why they use that, I asked them. It's very interesting because they said that that mobile phone has a modular battery, which means you can take out the battery. So because most of them store their biggest chunk of Bitcoin in a, in a LG mobile phone and then put that in a deposit box or in a safe box somewhere, and they will never touch it for like every six or even 12 months. So during this time, a lithium battery is the biggest or is the weakest part of the mobile phone. So it always get unfunctional and, all, and maybe may destroy the mobile phone. So they, choose, they chose a, a modular phone to store it separately for the battery and also they bought a bunch of battery to put aside to make sure that when they want to use that mobile phone, they can plug in a functional battery and use that. So that's also one of the insights we, we got from the miners. So we designed the detachable battery for the first generation. 
uh, and also we uh, we because some of the guys in our team are from traditional banking uh, traditional banking industry. In the traditional banking industry, uh, they have like most Asian ATM machines, or they have uh, credit credit card terminals. And also in those products, they all have a feature which is a self-destruct mechanism. So, if you stole a uh, credit card terminal from a merchant or somewhere, if the hacker want to falsely open the device, the device will automatically destroy all the sensitive information in the device. So that's also we uh, one insight we got from a traditional banking industry. We also added that feature into our first generation. So. We took almost all these legacies into our second generation, but one problem is that our first generation was too expensive. It's around 500 bucks, so it's a good price point for the miners, but it's not a good price point for the average holders. Actually, uh, during Bitcoin 2019, I went to San Francisco and I talked to I talked to a lot of average holders there. I asked them. The, the, the biggest insight I got from them was that they don't care too much about the waterproof feature because they see that their home got flooded is a really, really low possibility thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but they told me that if their home got flooded, they just spend another hundred bucks and buy another hardware wallet. That's their solution. So, and that's why I came back to China and we, our team, uh, starting design our second generation, which is more average hardware focused. So we remove the durability feature, which is waterproof and drop resistant. And uh, we turn the body from aluminum into uh, engineering uh, plastic. So to make the price cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then we, we got here. But also for the second generation, we added some new stuff into that. For example, uh, we not only support rechargeable lithium battery, we also support AAA batteries because if you long-term hold it, the you may don't want to buy too many lithium batteries. Then you can just use AAA battery to turn on the device if you want to. If you don't touch it like six months and suddenly you want to use it, so these these are the improvements we made for the second generation. And also, I just mentioned the self-destruct mechanism for the second generation. We make it a multiple layers of self-destruct mechanism so which is a stronger protect uh, protection against the hackers um, and also for the second generation we have a fingerprint sensor so if you are worried so it's more like a convenient uh, feature so you don't need to type in if you do like small amounts of transactions you don't need to type in your uh, password every time this kind of thing so yeah, I just explained the, the insights we got from our users and our potential users, and then we turn into our first generation and the second generation product. I, I have to admit, I really love the uh, I, I love the fingerprint. Yeah, I, I, I love but, not I, I love not having to yeah. type anything. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, but 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 I should mention that uh, you should be or your listeners should be careful with the fingerprint sensor because. Uh, if a hacker can steal this product from you, they can copy your yes. fingerprint from the device. Yes. So then they can do the transaction. So uh, with the next next or next and next firmware release, we will uh, allow user to make a threshold 
for the fingerprint sensor to trigger a transaction. So you can set, for example, you have tens of Bitcoin and you set 0.1 Bitcoin as your threshold for using fingerprint to, to, to authorize a transaction. We will oh. give you this kind of feature. Yeah. I like that. That's actually very cool. Thank you. Yeah, I like that a Thank lot. You. Thank so, you. So, um, it was uh, it, it was very interesting when I um, when I got this product. Uh, I had never um, I had never used a, an air gapped wallet that also used my phone that also had the the phone like the app on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I thought that that was very cool. I mean the you know the only one that I've used is uh, I've done you know Wasabi with Cold Card. And mm-hmm. and for me, it's just a you know it's desktop and your cold card, so mm-hmm. you know I never had the uh, the, the mobile phone aspect. Um, I did want to go back though to uh, to to the secure element, uh, like we had discussed before the show. So so a lot of the listeners are um, for the most part, anyways. I, I know a lot of the listener base is uh, the United States uh, and Europe, and some people mm-hmm. in, in Canada. Um, one of the uh, one of the questions that came up uh, a few times over is because uh, the uh, the secure element is uh, is made in is made in China, and uh, people yes. had, people had asked if there's in, an intent to possibly get one that has the secure elements, uh, you know, sourced and manufactured in the U.S. or Canada. Okay, uh, first I want to explain that why we use this secure element from a Chinese vendor, um, because. Uh, the first note I want to share is that if you make a hardware, especially if you make a hardware wallet, you have to f- face tons of trade-offs. So you have to face tons of trade-offs. For example, some people, some people they like the four-inch touchscreen, but some people think I just want a hardware wallet as small as possible because I want to hide it somewhere. So you have to make a decision for this kind of trade-offs. So for the secure element here, the biggest trade-off is that if we source this secure element from a giant vendor uh, in the States or from Europe or from Canada, the problem is we don't have too much negotiation power with them. That's the that's the bad thing. So we, if, we, if we source the secure element from a Chinese vendor, the, then we have much stronger negotiation negotiation power with them, which means we can open source more of the secure element. It doesn't mean we can open source the whole secure element, mm-hmm. but compared to we sourcing it from a Western supplier, we can open source much more of the secure element. So currently, what we got, uh, what we have got is we open source the firmware of the secure element. Mm-hmm. So here the trade-off is we we think transparency is more important compared to where the vendor is and where the secure element is manufactured. So transparency means a lot, means even much more to the community. That's why we make this decision currently. It's just a current decision. So we we open source the firmware of the secure element, and then there are like only three parts of uh in the black box then the first is the design of the chip for this part we i think no one can open source this part uh except for treasure they are making their own secure element they can do that but for us for every vendor they won't do this because this is their strong strongest ip 
is the design of the secure element, uh, design of the chip. And also, if you ask for uh, non-secure element chips, just like a general MCU, the vendor also want to open source the design of the MCU. So that's that's very that, that's impossible to do that. So that's the first part in the black box. Uh, the second part in the black box is uh, for the uh, I'm not sure if you heard of TRNG, which is true random number generation. This is a very key feature of the secure element because the randomness, the stronger the the better randomness is, the better the protection, yeah. the better the randomness your private key is, and then you are more safe. So for the true random number generation, it's also a black box. We we cannot open source this part. It's it's kind of in the design of the secure element. So uh, what we do is we let user to generate their private key by rolling a dice, just like a uh, code card. Then, because people can self-generate, can generate the entropy by themselves by rolling dice, so they can bypass the TRNG, which is the random number generation part of the secure element. So this part can be bypassed. bypassed. You don't need to trust this part. The third part um, in the black box is the uh, cryptographic algorithm, just like ECDSA, which is the which is the encryption curve mm -hmm. uh, to sign a transaction. This is also a black box because this is realized by the uh, secure element vendor. But for this part, we are trying to redo this part of code so that we can open source this part too. But currently, we don't have a clear timeline. We're working on that. And uh, also another biggest thing aside from the secure element firmware open source is that we can send, if anyone can sign an NDA with us, we can send him a dev board of the secure element to further to do further verification for it, which means you will receive a circuit board and there's only the secure element on the circuit board and then you can plug it into your laptop and you can do whatever test that you want to do on the secure element to verify the uh, encryption, uh, to verify the cryptographic algorithms, to verify the TRNG, even to verify the design of the uh, secure element is safe or not. So you see you see my point here? Oh I yeah, just, man. Yeah, we, we just give maximum, maximize I the transparency to gain the trust rather than we, uh, use this equipment from US to gain the trust. We think it's a better way to maximize the transparency for the community to get trust. That's our choice. And uh, also it's uh, it's some trade-off, but things may change later. I think if, uh, because um, for the, for the, for the vendors, it's just a money game. They don't, they don't have any faith in Bitcoin or in something. It's just a money game. So if we pay enough, maybe maybe sometime later, maybe in 10 years later or 15 years later, if we pay enough to the secure element vendors in the West, they can open source everything. Maybe, it's, it's a maybe, I don't know. Things may change. For example, if everyone, if everyone in the United States will have a hardware wallet, then it will become a, a giant market, then we can make enough money to like, purchase the whole design of the securement, then we can make it. But currently what we can only do is maximize the transparency here. 
I really, uh, I do like that. And thank you very much, by the way, for giving me that thorough of a response. Like that's. Thank you for your question. Thank you for your question. You know, it's a really great question. It, 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 it you know what? It, it's a tough question, and um, uh, actually, uh, it was actually you. I think you spoke with him, uh, Nico. Okay, who? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. So I was talking with him, and uh, and he brought it up, and I, I was like, you know what? I'm like, that's not really my style to ask that type of stuff. But at the same time, like, it's okay. I, I'm curious. And, and of course, you know, to your point, it's about transparency. So I really like yes. that. You know, I, I like, yes. you know, I like that, um, you know, you explain it that way. And to yes. me, that, that was one of my points, you know, when uh, when I was discussing it with him, you know, I said to him, I, I go, you know, to a certain extent, there's always an element of trust in these things. Right. Yes. Like, like not, yeah, not everybody that is going to own a hardware wallet is going to go and, you know what I mean? Order the secure element chip, plug it into their laptop, like verify everything. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Okay. Like that's not what's mm -hmm. happening. Right. Y yes. You know, like yes. you, you gain, you gain trust by having, uh, by, by people having, um, predictable experiences repeatedly. Okay, and and yes. then and then people can reach consensus, like you mentioned before about Bitcoin, on the product. So yes, I I do uh, and, I, I do appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I wanna I wanna just mention that, uh, uh, one thing, another big step for the transparency we did is we just finished uh, our code auditing with a third party vendor for the product. We just finished the code auditing, and uh, we will soon open the code auditing report to the public. So this is also the first thing a hardware wallet vendor, a hardware wallet company has ever done. So I just wanted to tell you guys that what we're doing is trying to maximize the transparency. So there is some sacrifice if we want to achieve that, but we think transparency is the most important. And also I want to echo you for the tough question. Uh, this is why I enjoy talking with uh, Bitcoin podcast rather than crypto podcast. Because for the crypto podcast, those are just chit chat. Just tell me your product, what are the selling points, this kind of stuff. But for Bitcoin podcast, I really enjoy this kind of crushing. So yeah, this is this. I really enjoy this kind of tough crushing. Yeah, cool. That's for sure. Yeah, I, you know what? It's don't get me wrong, but it's like somebody's going to ask it. You know, so yeah, it's if we, yeah, if, if we can't if we can't answer the tough questions, then we're in trouble. You know, like then then, yeah. it, then it means we don't know what it means we don't know what we're doing. Um, yeah, definitely. But definitely. Um, but uh, okay, so so tell me this, right? Like I'm obviously I you already know I I, I like your product. I think it's cool. Um, I was lucky enough to get one from you uh, to test it out. So thank you very much. Um, but, thank you too. But I think that there's a. Uh, I think you've got some other products as well, though, right? Like I, I saw that uh, you you also offer a yes. steel wallet. Yes. Yes. We also offer a metal storage called Cobo Tablet. Uh, but I wanna uh, for the Cobo Tablet, I think the most uh, advantage or the most selling point is it's very cheap. It's almost half of the price of other competitors. Uh, but one thing I wanna disclose, I wanna let you followers know is that. We failed the Jameson Lab test, uh, the latest round of Jameson Lab test. But uh, the the point is, we're going to launch uh, another new two versions of the metal storage. Oh, cool! One is like the punch version. So the punch version 
we're, we're, we're getting into Amazon warehouse now. And uh, I think we're launched within two weeks. Uh, currently, the, the, because, because of the virus, the uh, Amazon is working kind of slow now. They are getting our product on shelf. And uh, for the punch version, uh, it, it's really cool. Uh, yeah, I cannot, <laughs> I, I, we, we made a video and we'll show that video to you guys later. For that version, uh, we're kind of sure that we'll pass Jameson Labs test, but we'll see. Uh, I cannot say 100%, but we're confident because we, we did some tests here in China. And for the punch version, the price would be around $24. So that's really cheap. And also we will uh, launch another version of the, which is the second generation of a couple tablet. So it's also a tail version comes with the uh, metal alphabets, but it's much, much stronger. Uh, we're also kind of sure that product can pass Jameson Labs test too. So we're also sending him these two products and he can test it out later. That's very cool. That's, uh, yeah, yeah I, I like that. I, I got to see a little demo of your uh, your punch, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the punch wallet and that's very oh, nice. Yeah, I share you, yeah. I share you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's very yeah. nice. Okay. Um, I okay. did. I did want to go back though to um, just to the uh, the the Koba Vault. Um, yes. Just for the listeners, uh, so people know, mm -hmm. there is a Bitcoin only firmware that they can install. Yes. Okay. So yes, there there is the uh, there is the one that supports the shit coins, but you did make yes. one for you did make one for Bitcoin only, and we really appreciate that. <laughs> so thank you. I just thank wanted you. to mention that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Personally, I'm also I'm a Bitcoiner, and I'm also use I'm also using the Bitcoin only version, and uh, uh, for 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 our listeners or followers, I think one thing the Bitcoin only version currently where uh, for the next release we're going to separate this in, into two GitHub uh, like files or two GitHubs. So these two products will go to two different directions, and also for example, currently we're almost 99% uh, of our development resources are putting on the Bitcoin only version. We're adding, we just, we, with the latest version, we just launched the PSBT compatibility with Wasabi, with Blue Wallet and with BTC Pay. And also we're waiting for Electrum 4.0.0 for the PSBT compatibility. Uh, we're waiting for this product new release. And also currently we're working on PSBT multi-signature. So if we achieve that, I think we can, by latest, we can do that at uh, the end of July. Uh, if, if, we, if we achieve that, then the Bitcoiners will have two products, which two different products, which is support PSBT multi-signature, which is code card and Cobalt Vault. And then you can take the full advantage of PSBT multi-signature to lower your risk to store your to hodler your bitcoin okay that's that sounds amazing and i have both of these wallets so i'm very excited for that the the, yeah. the psb multi-signature i'm sorry i wanted to go back though you said um you guys offer compatibility with electrum wasabi and you said btc pay server yes btc yeah. pay server very but cool. the problem is but the problem is currently we have done our side of development oh i get and, it and uh yeah, and the they blue gotta wallet. Do their side. And, oh, and blue wallet. Yeah, they, uh, they they have done their side. They have also merged because we submit some code to them, so they have merged uh, 
uh, they have merged those codes. So we're just waiting for their next release. Oh, okay. Uh, for yeah, for Asabi, I'm not sure, but for Blue Wallet and BTC Pay, they will uh, release a new version around the end of June or early July. I don't know the exact date, but they told me that they will release soon. And also, we're waiting for Electrum 4.0.0. I was going to say, didn't Electrum just, just put out a, uh, I think they put out an announcement yeah, yeah. about beta. Yeah, 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 yeah. They put out a beta version. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank um, you. So uh, I guess, um, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. What, uh, are you allowed to discuss any of the future developments that you guys have uh, coming down the pipeline? Different products uh, or anything like that? Of course, of course. Uh, currently, we're not uh, we're not developing our third generation. Uh, currently, our effort uh, is still focused on the on this version, which is the second generation Cobalt Vault Essential and Cobalt Pro. And uh, currently, we're working on PSBT multi signature. And uh, after the PSBT multi signature, there are some like um, improvements the uh, community is looking for. For example, I, I just received a feedback from the user, which uh, from a user that uh, we should allow user to uh, to like uh, export their addresses to a micro SD card. Oh. Because, yeah, because they think that uh, their address may be, uh, because they, they think that they may like reset the hardware or they may buy new hardware and they want to keep a record of all their addresses they have used. So this kind of feature, uh, this kind of feature we're going to develop. And uh, another big thing we're going to do is the taproot. I think that's also because currently the, I think from my perspective, the biggest issue currently for the multi-signature is the privacy problem. So uh, I think with taproot, we can mostly, we, we can solve that problem. So that's one thing we're also looking for. Yeah, and uh, yeah, these are the biggest things. And uh, uh, I think let me find our uh, our to-do list. It's too long, so I need to find it <laughs> and I can share some cool features we're going to release. Cool. Mm. Okay, I think for, yeah, for example, there are a lot of uh, features like for example, because our product looks like a mobile phone, yeah, and uh, so people has the, uh, they have, yeah, I love it, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a mobile phone. So people they usually they don't turn off their mobile phone. Yeah, so people, uh, our user told me that uh, they don't have the habit of turn off couple Vault. so they ask for a auto turn out feature, turn off feature. So we're also doing that. Uh, and also, uh, we're doing, uh, let me see. Uh, oh, by the way, we're also working on Bitcoin testnet. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and also we're working on like allowing people to add account level to their codes, uh, to their couple vault. Uh, and also we're working on some features like, for example, uh, we published our uh check some of our upgrade package on our website so another thing we're working on is if you insert a new upgrade package if it's 
uh, legal upgrade package will autom automatically show you the checksum on the screen of the Cobalt. So then you can check the checksum with the checksum on the website. Yeah. Then you don't need tools like terminal to check the checksum. So we're working on this kind of small improvements. But one I like thing that. I should say, yeah, one thing I should say that all these features, I think 95% of these features are come from the community. That's a, that's a really proud thing for me because people, they're offering ideas. People, some people are offering, yesterday we just received a, uh, a PR on GitHub, which cracked a typo in the product for us. So this makes me really, really happy and proud that I, I feel that we're making this product with the community together. Community is telling us what they want and we figure out how to do that. And yeah, this is it. So yeah, I, I, I was making drone before, that is a, just the vendor thing. But making hardware work is totally a community thing. That's really rewarding for me, actually. I so like that. I, I feel great for this. I feel really great for this. I like that. It's personally rewarding. Yeah, you know? personally that's rewarding. Nice. Um, I wanted to yeah. I wanted to ask you, sorry, because you were just mentioning the power on the Cobalt Vault. I, I meant to ask you, okay, so yeah. how... How long does the uh, does the lithium battery last? And by the way, I love that that you have the option. Uh, when I got my mm -hmm. Cobalt Vault, uh, just to explain to the mm -hmm. listeners um, that decide to get one, so there's the lithium battery, and like Lee Shin said, there's also the option to have you could use triple A's. So um, yes. how long, like when, on a full charge, how long does one of these last? I, I was trying to figure it out. Okay. Uh, with the full charge, I think the lithium battery will only last for two to three hours. Okay. Uh, because you cannot compare you cannot compare it to a mobile phone because no. the intensity of using it is it's not okay. it's not a mobile phone. You are not yeah. playing games on it. You're just using it. It's like a cold blood signer. Yeah. Just use it to sign a transaction. That's why the uh, the capacity of the battery is not that strong, and also. Uh, if we make a stronger capacity or a more uh, powerful battery, that also increases the possibility of the uh, fail of this battery. So we play really safe here, not make it too big or too strong to make it more robust. I like it, man. I like uh, it. Yeah, but, but also here I want to mention to people that uh, if you use the lithium battery, if you don't use it for like several weeks, it will tremendously increase the uh, possibility of the fail of the battery. So uh, we designed the, we made the pro version, which is which has the uh, rechargeable battery, lithium battery, and also the fingerprinting sensor. We designed it for the people who use it more frequently. So if you are a long-term hardler, uh, the essential version is more cost effective for you because there's no fingerprinting sensor, there's no rechargeable battery. It only can be uh, powered by the AAA batteries. And for AAA battery, you don't need to worry about that. If you turn it on every six months, you just buy four AAA batteries and turn it on and you can use it. Yeah. Mm. Um, do you have any, uh, you have any final thoughts for the, uh, for the listeners? Final thoughts. Yeah. Let me. Anything let you me wanna? Think. Anything you wanna share with the listeners? Yeah. Uh, I think one thing I wanna share, uh, which is not super related to hardware wallet, because uh, in a company, 
one rule in our company is everyone in the company need to do some customer service work. Even the developers or the product managers, you should talk to our customers. You should see what problems they have. So for me, I also did a lot of customer service work. Uh, so I talked to them. Uh, I think one thing I wanted to share to all your listeners is that uh, Howard Wallet is not your silver bullet for protecting your Bitcoin. Howard is not, but your knowledge is. I so like some people, yeah, most people think that I buy Howard Wallet, then I'm safe. But the that's totally wrong and you're getting way wrong for that if you have that thought i i I even i even think you should put your bitcoin in coinbase if you have that thought (laughs) so (laughs) sorry sorry that that's a little bit extreme but (laughs) i just want to (laughs) emphasize i just want to emphasize that knowledge is really really important yeah 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 for especially for some of our users they have a hardware wallet but they don't know how to protect their recovery seat recovery phrase. That's really dangerous. So I just want to share to your listeners, not put your Bitcoin in Coinbase, but learn enough knowledge is really important and buy a hardware wallet. And you should decide what's your like scenario of using your hardware wallet. And you should also know the trade-offs of your hardware wallet. For example, for our product, it's not perfect. I should say it's not perfect. For example, if you use it, you will find that the QR code, you need more time to scan the QR code to get the information into your hardware wallet. That's a trade-off. Mm-hmm. It's more air-gapped, but it takes more of your time to, to, to sign a transaction. So yeah, I just wanted to let your listeners know, get not, do your own research, get more knowledge, and know the advantage and the disadvantage of these hardware wallets and then make your choice and then you are safe. I think I think you touched on a really important point right there. Okay. And that's you know, people what people don't understand is when something is more secure, it takes more mm-hmm. time. Yes. You know, like this is something yes. even in even in my field, it's the same thing. You know, customers wanna have, you know, let's say fifty to hundred transactions a second, but they also want all the data to be encrypted. Well, well, guess yes. well, guess what? If you're going to encrypt the data, you need to have time to decrypt the data. Like it, it's everything. Yes. Everything takes time. So I really, I, I really like the way that you explain that. Yeah, actually, actually, uh, here there's always a trade-off between security and convenience. Uh, I, I listened to a a sharing a a sharing by Jameson Lab. He made a very very good saying is that. Uh, if you wanted the most convenient uh, wallet, you just put it online and everyone can touch it. If you wanted the most secure wallet, you just don't let anyone touch your hardware. Even yourself cannot touch it. Then it's the most secure one. <laughs> so there's always a balance between secure and the convenience. So make your own choice. And maybe you don't have only one hardware wallet, but make your own choice. Maybe you need a more convenient version. And that's why I always share to um, to our users that you should have a structured wallet system, mm-hmm. which, you, which means you're not only using hardware wallet. Maybe you also have software wallet and maybe you have multiple hardware wallet. Use them based on your scenarios. That's the, use them with your own user case or user scenario. That's, I think that's a very solid 
user thoughts and uh, everyone should learn about it and uh, also for the hardware wallet vendors for us we really want to work with feel with you and with others to share more knowledge and share more thoughts for this kind of thing and make everyone hodling their bitcoin very well that, you know what seriously that's some good advice and i really appreciate you coming on my show lishan thank you so much thank for joining too. me thank you too thank you i really appreciate it man i hope that i get to talk to you again soon yeah yeah thank you for the tough questions also yeah <laughs> thank you no it's good it's good for thank everybody you. man thanks yeah thank you thank you Hope you guys enjoyed my discussion with uh, with Lee Shin. Lots of really cool stuff coming out of Cobalt Vault. So I definitely suggest checking it out, doing your research. Um, all the uh, the details will be in the show notes. And if you wanna if you wanna reach me, Twitter or Telegram, I'm at Coinicarus. If you wanna shoot me an email, I am Coinicarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening, and catch you all next time.